What is up, y'all? Welcome into Uncovering Success. My name is Brady Slaybaugh, and this week I come to you from beautiful Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where it's 75 degrees with a slight breeze, not a cloud in the sky, not to rub it in or anything. Um, but I've had the chance to meet and connect with some incredible people while down here, and this week's guest is no exception. Through a friend of the program, Matt Benson, I had the chance to connect with Herb May and learn a little bit more about his story. So in high school, he was a scouting intern for the Baltimore Ravens, his hometown team. And he had the chance to work under Eric DaCosta, who would go on now to be the GM of the Baltimore Ravens and is currently still in that role. While at Old Miss, he worked with the football team there, and post-school he went to do sales in the NFL, um, selling tickets for the Super Bowl, and most recently he has made himself a prominent figure in the esports world, and just last week he was hired by eFuse as their director of partnerships. So less of me talking and more from Herb, let's get into it. You don't set out to build a wall. You don't say, I'm going to build the biggest, baddest, greatest wall that's ever been built. You don't start there. You say, I'm going to lay this brick as perfectly as a brick can be laid. There will not be one brick on the face of the earth that's going to be laid better than this brick that I'm going to lay in this next 10 minutes. And you do that every single day. And soon you have a wall. All right, Herb, well, welcome into the show. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, Fort Lauderdale is awesome, and the weather down here is incredible. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you've got an awesome story, and uh, really looking forward to diving into it today. Go ahead, introduce yourself a little bit here. For sure. Uh, yeah, no, thanks so much, Brady, for having me. Uh, drove on over from West Palm Beach, moved to West Palm Beach last week. That's awesome. Uh, here, getting a full taste of, of Florida today and support La- Lauderdale action. To go drive over to Miami next. Just, Might as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm Herb May. I'm the director, as of yesterday, the director of partnerships at EFUSE, um, yeah. which is uh, incredibly exciting. I've known the EFUSE guys for a while, been in esports for about two or so years um, after a, a, a pretty I mean, I've had a short career. I'm 27, but mm-hmm. uh, I spent a long time uh, in sports and football. Um, moved into the esports industry just out of pure curiosity and, and interest. And so far, I'm now hooked and addicted. And mm-hmm. it's brought Absolutely. me to your uh, your boss, Matt Benson. Uh, he's a friend of the program. He's been on, so Matty B. I'm sure, he'll be listening and he, giving I'm, his feedback to you. I hope I say everything right. I hope he doesn't <laughs> second guess hiring me after this podcast. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but what what's interested you about the esports? world why were you kind of brought into that and where was uh where was that at at start and then what what have you kind of done with that um so i have traditional sports and football were always have always been my greatest passions in life and honestly probably always will be um esports became interesting to me due to a mentor who was uh he's kind of a hedge fund Uh, he owns a hedge fund in new york city he was an early investor in nvidia um, and he sat me down right when I graduated school um, and was like, you need to pay attention to what's happening in, in esports and gaming. And at the time, you know, I, I, I'm no crazy uh, gamer. I, 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 I played, you know, Madden and Call of Duty like any frat, yeah. frat bro in college, yep. um, but was certainly kind of enamored by the space and interested to, to kind of get into something a little more entrepreneurial, something that was growing. The NFL and football will always mm-hmm. be there. And honestly, I was selling the tick. I was selling tickets to Super Bowls for on-location experiences, and it was better for business rooting for like the Cowboys and for you know high-market teams. And as a Ravens fan, that 
personally yeah. was was painful. So uh, it was time to get into something else, and, and esports was was the definite choice. That's awesome. So let's take a little <coughs> bit of a step back here. And what was your what was uh, childhood like growing up? Where were you at? And uh, what kind of parents did you have? What was the childhood like? And then also into college. Yeah, um, I, I had a great life growing up. Um, my uh, parents. I'm born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, my dad was born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland. My mom's from Decatur, Illinois, um, and they met at uh, they met in New York City. And uh, we had a, a fabulous life. My dad is uh, financial services, been financial services for a long time. My mom was an interior designer. Um, there was a never a pressure to do anything in my life growing up. Uh, you know, we were an athletic family, all kind of played sports, um, but. Uh, never a pressure to get into financial services yeah. or to become an interior designer. To they kind of let you follow your dreams and then supported that? And I was always awesome. obsessed with sports and my sister and I are best friends so I had a, had a great life growing That's up. That's sweet. Very so while you were in high school too, I know you had an awesome internship. You want to dive into that a little bit? Yeah man, I, I do. I, uh, so I was, a, I was a scouting intern for the Baltimore Ravens the summer of the lockout so they didn't have to pay me anything. Yeah, which like for me that would be like working with the Browns or something. I'm from Northeast Ohio, and <laughs> it was the greatest. So Eric DaCosta, um, what at the time was the director of player personnel, and I, I had gotten to know him and gotten a hold of his email. Uh, but it took me two years of emailing Damn. Eric DaCosta for him to even kind of acknowledge me. I think he was keep keeping me on skates for a little bit to see how bad I wanted it. Um, but you know now he's the GM of the Ravens, um, and and eventually like at some point I don't it was probably after email 100 he was like. Okay, if you leave me alone, I'll, I'll give you a job. <laughs> um, and he's like, you know, come be a scouting intern. You know, you, I want you to look after rookie running backs and free agent safeties. Um, I checked players in and out of breakfast in the morning, and then I took mm -hmm. their weights before and after practice, all at the Owings Mills facility. Um, and it was it was awesome. It's where I learned a lot, and you don't I don't really realize how much I learned from it until like the farther far away I get away from it, but sophomore, I mean, a junior in high school to do something like that. It was incredible. Well, and even too, like, it, it's sweet to be around, like, all your childhood heroes and players and stuff, but you learn more about the behind-the-scenes stuff in the office, what it takes to get stuff done and how they go about drafting players and all those kind of roles, which for me at Ohio State, that was something I went through too, learning how they, they get ready for practice every day, how they're practicing, what goes into a game, and all that kind of stuff I feel like had to be pretty cool because in the NFL, it's such a bigger scale. There's 60 players and all I mean, that kind of thing. It was when, when you get to work next to and, and watch a guy like Ozzie Newsom, who is, you know, he's a Brown, one of the greatest tight end to ever play the game, and yeah. arguably one of the greater GMs to ever do it. And to see him and how he operated on a daily basis. I mean, that guy, he worked out three times a day. Three times a day, which Three? is where I learned that fitness like is a definite. That's where I learned oh. that fitness is a definite in your professional life. He worked out three times a day and is just an absolute machine of scouting players and watching football and being a student, you know, forever as one of the greatest players to ever play. And then at the end of the day, we were all there at seven, eight o'clock at night. He'd walk into the team fridge and grab two cores lights and go home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty good day. Yeah, he's like, these are crucial. And I was yeah, like, it was awesome. just, it was awesome to watch him. And then coming out of that, what what did you kind of take with you into college um, going from there? You went to Ole Miss, right? Went to Ole Miss. Talk about what what were some things that you did at Ole Miss? Were you involved in, like, clubs and whatnot, or was it, like, all school all the so time? It was, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was basically a decision at, after high school to go play 
D3 up in like the Northeast, play D3 football, or to go, I wore go to go pursue my career in football and go work for an SEC school. So I was like applying to Clemson and South Carolina, and then inevitably I chose Ole Miss, and then the guys at the Ravens hooked me up with going to work for the team. Um, so I worked for Hugh Freeze in his first year, and, and so basically I did fraternity life, I did uh, I did working for the football team as a student student worker, um, and then kind of school. I didn't. Yeah, not, little not, enough to get by and get you that degree. School and I never really meshed. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, and then you ended up working for the NFL, right? What What was um, that experience like? Yeah, so I I thought I wanted to get away from the NFL and initially tried after my junior year of college. I went to work for Wells Fargo and I was like, okay, I'm just gonna be in, I want to be in sports marketing and sponsorship. And then the NFL, a, a, a private equity firm, Redbird Capital, purchased on location experiences from the NFL. Um, but it was still the official hospitality partner of the NFL. So it was kind of a, a, a good go between between sales and, and traditional sports and NFL uh, type setting. Um, so I was like, look, I want to go. I had a connection via my fraternity at Ole Miss and, and kind of set up a series of persistent phone calls and emails like, give me a shot, give me a shot, give me a shot. And I was given a six-week contract opportunity for Super Bowl 51 down in Houston. And uh, yeah, I got moved up to New York. It was it was awesome. Dang! And then you were selling tickets for the Super Bowl, right? Super Bowl fifty one, fifty two, and fifty three. Yeah. So you know, Super Bowl ticket market is wild. But um, yeah, that's where I learned to sell. It's where I learned to pound phones and yeah. set up pro- prospects. Yeah, what was what was it like? Were you trying to sell these upper deck um, Super Bowl tickets? <laughs> that and the Pro Bowl. Like, well, what is it like to sell a ticket for? Like, because I feel like. Super Bowl wise, like those tickets always get sold. It's always a sold out There's game. Always a sold out game. The Super Bowl is the biggest corporate entertainment event in the entire world. So I did corporate hospitality really. My goal was to sell bulk tickets of, you know, fifteen plus seats in a particular section where companies would come in and entertain clients and things like that. Those were the big sales. But then you'd pers- you'd always get, you know, the retail buyer who was, you know, buying for their family of four, or, you know, a yeah. lifelong Rams fan, something like that. Those tickets are a couple thousand dollars, right? Man, you want to learn to love the word no, you you start talking to somebody about, you know, an upper deck rafter seat that's for $5,000 <laughs> minimum. That's, that's crazy. That's how you get a no and an F you. So, I learned to love the word no and uh, in sales early. And I feel like that's such an important thing that I like to talk about a lot is failure and just being okay with someone telling you no and moving on and learning from it. Yeah, you know, no's are interesting because they can easily be turned to yeses based on the relationship you have. I'd rather have a no. Mm -hmm. I'd rather have a no than somebody who's feeling, eh, it's like you want to do this or not. And if you don't, tell me and then let me see if I can go find another option that might work for you. Because if 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 you sit there and string somebody along being like, eh, I might then I'll never know if you wanted something else. So, but also it's on me to get the person to that answer. It's like, mm-hmm. yes or no, let's do this. That's interesting too, because if they're, if they're that kind of wishy-washy and they're not all in on it, then they're gonna feel like they were played a little bit, or m- maybe you kind of strung them into something that they not necessarily didn't want, but it's like now, now that they might feel like you sold them on something that wasn't worth it, they're not going to go tell anyone else. Yeah, and that's the, the key to transparency in sales, right? You have to be completely upfront and honest. And that's probably why I wasn't the best at that. I was not the best mm-hmm. seller at that company. I mean, we brought in ringers from the Braves and the 
Jets and the Niners, and I mean it was the, it was like an all-star team of ticket sellers, and it's a very ancestral industry, and these guys were good, and I think um, you know honestly like it was tough to sell a Falcons fan you know Super Bowl tickets when the tickets were in their hometown, knowing the fact that I was like your team is not gonna be there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, but that that being said, what I do know because I've been to two Super Bowls is it's the greatest sporting event and weekend ever and so selling the excitement of that it's it's got value to some people it does doesn't always have five thousand dollars worth of value but you know if you're looking for a bucket list item i I certainly put it in the same category at the same price that's awesome and then along the way too i mean you're just building relationships right a lot of relationships i was probably too much of a talker cared too much (laughs) about you know people's lives and things like that that's not always a bad thing yeah um but yeah creating relationships and, and meeting as many people as possible i mean you People who are buying Super Bowl tickets are some of the most powerful CEOs yeah. in the world. And some guys, guys are like, I need 10 tickets and for 200 grand, and here's my Amex, and you just wipe the card. <laughs> Pretty good. And those are people that you want to create relationships with because yeah. uh, those were good dollars in my first first job at Absolutely. School. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so sweet. And then we kind of alluded to a little bit of the eSports world, and I know I believe that was kind of your next jump. Yep. Um, especially, I mean, working with a pro eSports team, uh, people – have, I feel like a lot of people don't really grasp what that means and, and what's coming in the esports world. So kind of speak to that, what your job was there, yeah. and, and then what kind of the behind the scenes of an esports team <coughs> looks like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it took me a while to get there. I mean, I, I, I worked for um, a, a, an esports facility in Atlanta, Georgia for six months, and then I worked for a our wealth management firm that did an esports actually I'm wearing it, esports nice. ETF um, for another six months and then Feasley Media Group called uh, I was like you know we're, we're buying the outlaws and we want you to be a part of the of this journey and in, in our sponsorship sales and um, it's go 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 I mean a hundred percent of the time I, I walked right into the team where we were about to go into our first homestand but and it's as professional as, as anything you've seen wow. before in, in for traditional sports I mean Guys are there practicing. I mean, it's a different year, obviously, with COVID. But from ten or you know, from ten a.m. to six p.m., they're practicing, strategizing, reviewing plays, things like that. Um, and we're selling sponsorships just like the Houston Astros. And yeah. we had a small team, but an agile team, and um, it was a it was a fun year. That's awesome. And I bet you had <coughs> you would have some comparisons between that and the Ravens as well, like. Because I feel like a lot of the behind the scenes, it, it's different. I, I had a certain, the comparison I probably had the most was like esports is raise your hand and do it type mentality. I mean, everything is, is there's no, too, there's no small, there's no job too small, right? Yeah. So it's like whether you're an executive, whether you're the CEO, whether you're the CMO, whether you're the account manager, if there's a job that needs to be gun, done, esports is at a stage where you have to be willing to do it. And that was my same thing with the Ravens. I mean, I'll never forget when I had to go change the oil in Jared Johnson's car. And he was just like, he grabbed me and he's a, you know, 6'5 defensive end. And here I am, the scrawny line. And I was, he's like, I need you to do this. And I was like, sure, sure. whatever you want. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of that mentality. It's And that, which is why I love the Ravens, my job with the Ravens so much is because that's where I learned to just say yes, raise my hand and. Yeah. do it. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, I, I have a story kind of like that where at Ohio State, the, the guides were practicing one day. I was watching, and Evan Turner walked in, and I was showing this family around the arena. And he walked in. They wanted to take a picture with him. And while they were, he looked over to me and asked if I can go let his boy CJ in down um, where the security was. 
So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go do yeah. it. And I walked down there, and it's like CJ McCollum with like five of his dudes. And I walk in there, I'm like, hey, CJ, I'm here to let you in. And he's like, all right, bro, sounds good. I'll never, I'll never forget Super Bowl 51. So Dwight Howard, I believe, was in Houston. Or no, or he wanted to come to the game, so we sold him 14 tickets for all of his boys. And somebody calls me, and I'm an intern running around, like, getting a cotton candy for some family. And this is like, <laughs> he's like, Dwight's security uh, or Dwight's team member left him, and we need you to get him out of the stadium. And I was like, okay. So I go off to go find Dwight. He was easy to find. And um, basically, like, we had one escalator out of the stadium. And I had to basically put him in with this family of, like, six teenage girls that were, like, <laughs> basically, like, taking pictures of him. Like, oh, my God, please stop. Like, I'm just trying to get him out of the stadium. And, and anyway, I, like, took care of him and got him out of there because he was basically cornered in a gift shop with, like, all these people trying to get pictures with him and wow. things like that. And I had to, like, stop the crowd and be like, move out of the way. Dwight, come with me. It was, <laughs> do what you got to do, man. Just, like, don't ask questions. Say yes and do it. <laughs> That's awesome. That, that's sweet. And then what about, like, as you've kind of, you obviously have built a very uh, prolific resume. You've done a lot of stuff, met a lot of people. Why are you okay with jumping around from job to job? Because a lot of people my age, they, they want to find that secure job, that corporate whatever job it is, that they can just go buy a, a ranch home with their soon-to-be wife, whatever it is, and, and they're happy for the next 40 years. But for you, why is that? Yeah, you know, it's funny. My dad and I talk about this all the time, how, how when he was growing up, there wasn't as many options as there is today. I mean, there's mm -hmm. so many different ways for you to make money in this day and age. Um, and I certainly think about it all the time. I'm like, is this resume that I've cultivated with two six-month jobs, a two-and-a-half-year job, and, you know, a one-year job, I've bounced around all these different places, am I going to be hireable? Um, and honestly, personal brand and LinkedIn have made me very confident mm -hmm. that, like, you know, I, I left the outlaws and got snatched up pretty quickly by eFuse. Um, yeah. And that's, I think, a credit a lot to LinkedIn and relationships. Um, but also, creating some revenue on the side has been Helps. fun too. I, I like buy and flip sports cards, and then I also yeah. learn to invest in the market. Um, so, you know, protecting yourself outside of just your initial income, I think, is, is, is important. But, um, you know, there's a lot of different things you yeah. can do. And honestly, no one's ever brought up, like, you know, our, our, like, has questioned loyalty, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I'm always transparent with, with people that hire me. And, um, and if something isn't working, same like in Roundtail, it took six months. And then I was like, look, I'm respecting your business right now, but I've got to go do something else. And I, talk, I was just talking to the Roundhill guys before. That's we have a great relationship still. Yeah. Well, and two, it's not like you're getting fired from every job after no. six months. It's the NFL, a new opportunity. The NFL, I was on. let go. We, the NFL, I was let go um, because they were getting ready to consolidate the company and sell to Endeavor. Mm. Um, so that was tough. Like that was my first time. It wasn't a firing. It was like you know we're we're letting go. And if you knew anything about what was happening, they were gearing up for a sale to Endeavor, gotcha. uh, William Morris. Um, so I have been I've definitely been let go, but I've yet to be fired, Matt yeah. Benson. So yeah. If you're listening, listening in, Matt. Listening in, Matt. Yeah. Please don't That's fire awesome. me. That's <laughs> awesome. So so Matt tells me. Speaking of Matt, he tells me that you're an early riser, <laughs> and, and you like to get up early. Uh, and I, I know Matt is too. That's why I was kind of not as early as I, me. I was kind of shocked when he told me that you were an early. When riser. does he get out of bed? I mean, I think it's like six ish. Ugh, that's so. It late. is when he goes that's, for his run. That's so well, late. When do you get up? I'm out of bed at four thirty. Damn. I'm out of bed at four thirty because I want to get work done before Matt. Um, you have to. <laughs> 
Uh, no, you know what? It was actually when I was living in New York. Um, I, I read a book called The One Thing, and um, it was it. The, I, 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 I don't retain things very much when I read because I think I'm like riddled, riddled with learning disabilities. But <laughs> one thing I do remember from that book is that it takes doing something 60 times to create a habit. So I was like, okay, I want to start getting up early. So I put my phone in my kitchen and away from my bed and set the alarm up every morning to go That's work out. That's tough to do. 60 straight days. Uh, and now it's just a habit. And like, I sleep in like any, I slept in this morning because I like just press snooze on my alarm yeah. and I just did. Slept but, in until 4.45? Yeah, 4.45. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I wanted to train myself to get up, get the workout out of the way. And then, you know, as a seller, I'm prospecting by 6 and I like to be the first note in everybody's inbox by mm-hmm. 8 o'clock when they sit down. So, um, but, you know, physical fitness is something that's like so important to professional life for me. So, um, getting up and getting it out of the way because sometimes, yeah. especially in the startup world, you know, you'll never know when PK is going to call you. Oh my gosh. Anytime. Yeah. Night, just to talk about, you <laughs> whatever. know, life, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's funny. And then what time do you go to bed? I mean, if you're getting up at 4.30, how is I that I try possible? and keep it, you know, relatively sane, 10.30. You know, I'm kind of in bed watching YouTube and yeah. uh, we'll hopefully be dozed yeah. off by 11. That's watching Courage or Nick Merckx or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just getting my, my Twitch hours in. Even too, like when you're getting up at four thirty, it's one thirty on the West Coast, and they're all just going to bed. Yeah, and there's some people who all catch that way. I've got great, uh, a couple of great friends out there. My sister's out there, so sometimes like my sister will text me at one o'clock. It's like I'm just getting up. Wow. Um, yeah. That's crazy. What about with eFuse? I mean, so you just got this job, just announced this week. Awesome job. I know Matt speaks very highly of you. He probably wouldn't want me to tell you that, but mm-hmm. he does. He doesn't. He and, doesn't tell me um, that. He's definitely excited for the future, and I know you are too. What do you kind of see coming with eFuse in this new endeavor? You know, I think for me, it hit, it reson- the, 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 the company and the product that they built resonated with me so much because I, it took me so long to get into eSports. It doesn't take too long. I know people have been working a lot harder than I have um, on, on finding roles just because it's become saturated. Everyone wants to work in eSports. But for a lot of time, you know, a lot of Overwatch teams, a lot of companies in esports told me, no, I don't have any gaming experience. And that was frustrating to the point where I basically had to go almost make up my own gaming experience to, to get in, yeah. um, to at least have it on the resume. And then once it was on the resume, people, you know, took the time to speak to me, which is ridiculous. <laughs> I could have just lied up front. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, so I, I believe in the way this industry is going. And I think you've just, we're still in the first half of the first inning and the opportunities that are about to come, dual roles, wow. you know, whether you're, you can be a CMO and a, and a content creator and a streamer, you know, in a couple of years from now, or you can be a CEO and you can play for a CSGO team, you know, on the side. It, it, it's, it, there's roles that don't exist yet. And being the hub of opportunity for all things esports is going to be invaluable as the industry continues to grow and progress. And the fact that these guys started it when they did in 2018, because they saw it coming, just, it was like, and then now that I've looked under the hood, I'm like sitting here, I'm like, I am in. And not only am I in, but like, I'll do anything you want. Like, let me know. Even too, how much did, I mean, COVID, kind of blew blew them up a little bit too because yeah. I, I really think COVID kind of brought out the average gamer and, and, and they started to see um, that it, it was okay to watch streamers on YouTube like you would watch SportsCenter <coughs> or, or something like that. Do you feel like there's there's a niche or a space in the market for 
your average gamer, like me or you growing up who play with our friends. And it might not even just be streaming to people. There's, like, content that we can be taking in. Well, part of, I think, from an amateur, like, from an amateur perspective and the average gamer, I think that's been the, the element of the industry that's probably been the most underserved, which is why you've seen a lot of platforms um, start in regards to providing different opportunities, whether it be from uh, uh, tournaments or events and things like that. Yeah. So I think like esports in 2018, I mean, it's been around since the 80s, right? But in 2018, you've got the Ninja and Drake stream, which you know yeah. people say really kicked it off. Um, but there's been so much more outside of that. I mean, the, the, the industry that you know, these gamers have built is truly incredible when you look under mm-hmm. the hood. Um, and uh, I think that, to your question, building the infrastructure to support the industry from the ground up as opposed from the, the top down is what these guys are trying to do. And so I think there's not enough opportunity for the average gamer quite yet, which is you know, why I, I really believe in this, yeah. in this product. That's awesome. That's sweet. And for me, it's been kind of cool to, to see that be built from the ground up. Uh, but yeah, that's sweet. And so you, you're obviously a big learner. Um, you've been around a lot of people, done a lot of things. What is a book that, that might have changed your perspective or changed the way you thought? I know you, you got into the one about um, your sleep the, schedule. Yeah, the one thing. That was but a great uh, book. for you, what, what kind of um, kicked, kicked so, off that? So my goal of 2020 was to read a lot more, and I don't read. I just listen, so I listen to books. Mm-hmm. Unless there's a book that I need to be like to take notes on because I just my brain thinks too much and I'm like scattered all over the place. But um, last year I read so many great books. Uh, Ride of a Lifetime with uh, oh, Bob Iger. Bob Iger. Was, I mean, just one of my favorite people of all time. The way he started that book is just truly incredible. I haven't read it yet, but he oh, like he takes you through you, boardroom meetings, right? Oh my God, it's unbelievable. I mean, the way he starts off is he tells about when he's like launching, I believe in Shanghai, um, and he gets a call that the the young boy had been taken by an alligator uh, at one of his parks, and that's how he starts the book. Um, so he's just like a super transparent guy, and his career has been fabulous. Um, I do like Trailblazer by uh, by Mark Benioff and Salesforce. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really good. And then um, Delivering Happiness, the book about Tony Shea and, and Zappos, who's sadly oh, yeah. passed away now. But that man was an incredible entrepreneur. Holy crap. That guy was – that is a book that to be studied and a brain to be studied because, I mean, obviously he was very troubled. But um, what, a, what an entrepreneur he was. Um, so CEOs were my theme last year, and now I'm kind of nice. into more sales strategy and things like That's that. That's cool. I'm going to have to check some of those out. Some of those I haven't heard before. Um, but to wrap up here, what what for you does success mean? And, and when you kind of get either to the end of your life or right now what you're chasing, what is it that you're going to look back on and be able to say, like, man, I was successful? Um, I think success is a lot about how you respond to adversity. I think, um, and I haven't had a very adverse life. I haven't dealt with too many challenges like some people do. I've been very fortunate and blessed. But I, I dealt with some things um, through college that were pretty trying. Um, you know, I had to take a break really from life for about three months to kind of recalibrate. And I, I think and think some people will say that I bounced back from that time in my life to, to really kind of do well. Um, so when the chips are down, it's like how when you get kicked in the teeth, when somebody tells you no, when somebody you know says I'm not buying this, and so you know you're, you're, you have to make that sale. Uh, how do you respond to you know the chips being down, especially in a, an entrepreneurial 
uh, story that we're kind of about to embark on EFUSE, how do you respond when, when things get tricky, mm -hmm. I think is how you, how you define success, in my personal opinion. Yeah, that kind of no regrets, keep And I'm also, I'm a Lamar Jackson fan, die hard, right? So, yeah. I mean, you know, imagine people still doubting that, man. I don't get it. And as a Browns fan, I don't really care what you think. So don't I mean, comment well, on it. Just, well, as a Browns fan would always say, there's always next year for us. <laughs> but now is a great time to be a Browns fan. It's a great time to be a Browns fan. I was supportive somewhat. Yeah, we'll see. Well, Herb, I appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time. And I know we're probably going to walk across the street and grab a drink and uh, continue the conversation. But It's 5 o'clock, right? Yeah, I or think so. Uh, you, we're can tell close Matt, there. you can tell Matt that it is 5 o'clock. Yeah. It's 5 o'clock. Yeah, Matt. Matt, we're done now. <laughs> All right, Herb, thank you. Yeah, brother, appreciate it. Man, what an incredible story that still has so much yet to be written. I look forward to staying connected with him and following along on his journey. And if you've heard something that interests you today or you just want to connect with Herb, go reach out to him on Instagram or LinkedIn. I know he'd love to hear from you and connect as well. Please go leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. And until next week, thank you for coming along on my journey of uncovering success. Mm -hmm.